I need that in, in my life. And I've been reading through some of the Apostle Paul's teachings, especially Romans 12 verse 1 is where we're going to start this morning. And I'm just going to read it and then I've got three little quick points that I want to bring out. And, and there's so much more you can get from this one scripture I could preach for a good, uh, good hour on just this one. So um, I'm going to try and just condense it into a couple of little things that I think will really help us today. Because what are we reading the Bible for? We're reading the Bible because there's something in it by the power of the Holy Spirit that will speak to us today. I genuinely believe there's something in these ancient writings that will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just open up something that I can go, okay, I can connect with that. I can connect with that. And right now I'm connecting with the mercies of God in a, in a real big way. So let me read the scripture. The apostle says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And there's a concept in here that somehow we can present ourselves before God. And I don't know what comes to your mind when you present yourself to God. But here, we can present ourselves to God in a way that we are somehow acceptable to God. Somehow acceptable to God despite how we're feeling about ourselves acceptable to God despite what our conscience is talking to us about. And that kind of self-awareness is, is great. We have a conscience. We understand these things. And somehow, despite that, we can present ourselves before God. But there's so many other questions that this passage brings up. Questions like, what does it mean to be holy? What does holiness mean? What does it mean to be acceptable? What are these things? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? You understand a, a, a sacrifice that is offered maybe like in the ancient days with animals or whatever they used to do. But as this idea that human beings, holy, acceptable, and a living sacrifice. And then he goes on to say, well, this is considered worship. Or specifically here, this is considered spiritual worship. I mean, that brings up more questions. What's the difference between worship and spiritual worship? But uh, I don't have time to go into all of those things. But when you kind of take a, a small passage of Scripture and you kind of break it down, hey, God, is there something in this? So I did try and do that. So I want to try with three quick points. My first one is spiritual worship. I know it's the end of the verse, but I'll do these in reverse order. When you start looking at Scripture and you do this, expounding to try and figure out what he's saying. You see, right at the beginning, he says, I appeal to you, therefore. And what do we know the therefore is for? What is, well, you have to skip back to the previous chapter, chapter 11. And in Romans, it finishes with this saying, Romans 11, verse 36. And it says this, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And I think that is a passage of worship. Keep the scripture up for a moment if you can. It says, from him. What things are from him? Well, we know it says all things. So what are we worshipping God for? Because everything we have, all things have come from him. All blessings flow, the scripture says, from him. 
and it comes through him. So the blessings we know from him, and they're, but they're also through him, and they're also at the same time to him. And if you can get your head around that, please come and explain that one to me. I'd love to know what all of that means. But I think the essence is that this is worship. This is something in here that we can say we're putting Christ at the head of all things. Worship could mean more than just singing. It could mean we're putting our lives in the proper order. We're putting God at the head of it. And when you read this scripture and you look at, see, it begins with worship and it ends with worship. Because Paul didn't write chapter titles, if you know anything about how it was written. There weren't verses, there weren't chapter titles. So you can read this as one point. He begins with worship. He then says uh, what it means to uh, present yourself and then he ends with the idea of spiritual worship. So we try and contextualize this and try and understand what Paul is trying to say. What it means to put Christ at the head of things, knowing that all things come through him, that he is the supreme being, he is the supreme good, and we order our lives in a way that shows whom we worship. When we orientate our lives towards example of the one to follow, that is the ultimate form of worship. It's this kind of spiritual worship he's talking about, as opposed to maybe an old covenant sacrificial worship, but this worship is something about a spiritual worship and a living sacrifice. There's something in this that is both spiritual, that is transforming, and also has practical outworking in our lives. I mean, I just my head just goes bang, explodes with this. What is spiritual worship? Quickly to my second point. He says here, holy and acceptable. And this is, means when we present ourselves before God, and not just ourselves, but our bodies. For me, that's kind of the understanding that what we do in our bodies matters. What matter? Matter matters. You have matter and you matter, but what you do also matters. How many times can you say the word matter in one sentence? But there's this... In a way that is a living sacrifice that is both holy and acceptable. That word holy kind of has the idea that it's separate. There's something set apart. There's something holy which is set apart and God is looking favorable in a way that he is acceptable to us. God is acceptable to us. So Paul continues this in the second verse, which is verse 2, uh, Romans 12 verse 2. What does it mean to present ourselves? He explains. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Why do we renew our minds? He explains. So that you may discern what the will of God is. And the will of God is good, acceptable, and it's perfect. The will of God for your life comes when we orientate our way of thinking that is somehow separate from the world around us. It's a part to be different. To describe God as holy, it means that God is unique and different and set apart from 
all other things that we should orientate our life towards and direct ourselves. Because then he calls us to be holy means that we are somehow separate and different and we live by a different standard to the world around us. We live by a different set of principles. I was talking to someone just just recently and they were asking me a question, you know, how many people today in our culture, they don't get married, they live together. And, you know, we're thinking, okay, well, God is talking about holy matrimony, but our culture says you don't need a piece of paper in order to be together. And, I, and I, they said, why would we need to get married? And I, and I thought, okay, let me think about this for a little while. And I'm thinking this as I'm preparing my sermon. I'm thinking, as Christians, as people with a new creation inside them, as the people of God culture of this world... We're supposed to be different. And then I said, well, what is marriage? Marriage is not a piece of paper. That's what you get. When you get married, you get the bit of paper. But marriage is a covenant agreement. And God is interested in covenants. If you understand how God is cutting covenant with us through the whole of Scripture, and if you understand Paul as understanding what a covenant relationship is, read Deuteronomy, which Jesus loved and preached from all the time. Read some of these old stories about the covenant agreement. And I said, you cannot cut a covenant in secret. This is why you get married in front of your friends, in front of your family, in front of God, because you're standing up and you keep a memento of that covenant on your finger, it reminds you that you're in covenant. It reminds the world around you that you're in covenant. It's covenant. You can't cut this in secret. You can't just do that. So it's by doing this holy matrimony that God commands his blessing. You'll make people uncomfortable. Well, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be not conformed to this world's way of thinking. Just because the world thinks it's acceptable. I'll leave you alone for a minute. Let that one see. But this is, this is what Paul's trying to get across. He's trying to get across a principle. A way of thinking. Okay? So, Paul again and again to his church, he's not teaching them just a set of rules. He's teaching them principles. So he's not just teaching them how to behave, but he's giving them why we behave. You know, if you understand what marriage covenant is, you understand why it's important. And it's not the preacher waving his finger, going, you're this, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. It's the understanding why it... And you need to read the Bible to find out why God values covenant. But it's almost like there's a set of principles to live by. This is a new creation set of principles. This is what Jesus accomplished in his death, in his resurrection, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can live by these sets of principles. It's almost like you can uh, give someone one rule, and as long as they live to that one rule, then you're happy. Or you give them another rule, And before you know it, you've got dozens of these rules. Or you can say to somebody, let me give you a principal way of living. Live the way God's called you to live, according to his will. It's almost like you can, if you teach someone to fish, 
then they'll feed themselves for life. And Paul is kind of doing that. He's not giving them a single rule of law, a single ethic to live by, you know, maybe uh, like do not steal. Okay, then as long as you follow that one to the letter of the law. But what Paul's trying to do is teach first principles, what it means to live as a new creation, what it means to live as someone who follows God, what it means to live as someone who's accepted the death and resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and they begin to think in a different way as God's people. Then it's not just for one particular topic or ethic that we want to live by. It's a whole way of life. And every matter, every kind of question that we get, what is right or wrong? Does this line up with the new creation? Am I called to be different? Do I thinking as the world thinks? But this is what Paul is doing. Time and time again, he's helping us to think as new creatures so it helps to see what paul is doing here as he's ushering in the kingdom of god following jesus's mandate to live as as new as the new humanity if you like and paul is not just an ethical teacher but he is bringing and ushering in the king of kings god is king a place where god is put first in our life and how god is launching this new age into the world So we live with these kingdom principles. We live as new life, new creation, holy, acceptable, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, living to a different standard, not conformed to the world around us, but living a whole life that God has called us into, which is both good, perfect, and acceptable. My final point, by the mercies of God. And I love that, by the mercies of God. You know, all these things can sound quite regimented and rule-based and you know if you've got that mentality but actually it begins with worship it ends with worship by orientating our lives towards him and his mercy is new every morning you know i never stand up here and say listen my life's perfect you know just do as i do and you'll be fine no i need the mercies of god in my life all these things he's saying here are surrounded by god's mercy that's how we're called to live as a living sacrifice. It's we can do this. The Romans he's writing to would have understand would have understood sacrifice. They sacrificed the incense. They sacrificed animals and lots of them sacrificed themselves to further the Roman Empire. So they under, really understood what it meant sacrifice meant. But how are we to sacrifice our lives? Only by God's mercy. Only God's, by God's mercy can we do any of this. And mercy is often seen as a, as a delayed judgment. You know, you give someone mercy, it means I'm not going to deal with you today. I'm going to give you mercy and I'm going to delay that judgment. But I think it's also more than that. It speaks of God's heart for his people. And Paul here is writing that the life that he lives is somehow different. And it's only by God's mercy that he can do this. It's not a life of simple blind obedience. Even, you know, blind obedience to the law, even if that could justify him. He says, no, I live God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that where we see God's mercy? That's Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I that live. That's living sacrifice. So what's living sacrifice? It's not what I want, but it's what God wants. It's no longer I who live, 
but it's Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Through the mercies of God, I'm wrapping up now. Through the mercies of God, we're able to present ourselves. And maybe we can do that just with our eyes closed, just for a moment. What does it mean to present yourself? It's almost like, here I am. And God's searching for you, you know, like where's Waldo? He's, he's, where's Wally? He's searching for you. You know, but God has a keen eye and he can see you. And let's not be hiding when it comes to presenting ourselves. I don't want to make it difficult for God to find me. I want to go, here I am, here I am. You know, we're not playing hide and seek with God in our lives. We're saying, here I am. I present myself to you. And we stand in God's will. Say, God, I want to be who you've called me to be. I want your will to be done in my life. I want your kingdom to come. And Paul here, by living sacrifice, it means the end of his self-life. As if your self-life did a great job. Say, God, I want to live my old life. I want to be conformed to the world around us. I want this new life enabled by your Holy Spirit, empowered by your mercy to be acceptable, to be part of this wonderful new creation that you have for us. And not as the world expects, but to order my life and prioritize you and put you the first place in my life and my worship. This is the kind of life God's called us to. And I think it's an adventure life. I think it's an amaze. Just now we present ourselves and say, God, here I am. Here's my spiritual worship. Here's my life, Lord. Take my life. Use me, Lord, as you want to use me. Let me understand all the goodness that you have for me. Let me understand your mercies today in a deeper and more real way. And let me have your Holy Spirit as a practical, transforming, outworking Spirit of God in my life. Let my life be a life style of worship more than just singing songs let my worship present myself to you as i honor you as a living sacrifice living separate holy and acceptable to you let my mind be renewed by a new way of thinking let me follow your will let me understand what it means to be the good in the good acceptable and perfect will of the living god amen amen Just say that, by the mercies of God, I present myself. Say that again, by the mercies of God, I present myself. Amen. Amen. Thank you.